Hi, everybody. This is the Thriving School Community Podcast, and I'm Charlie Peck, your host. We have Sarah Johnson today. Now, Sarah is a former English teacher, but she's so much more than that because she's led schools. She's been a principal before. She's an author, at least. I know there's at least a couple of books we'll talk about. Um, she speaks nationally and maybe globally, probably globally. Uh <laughs> Sarah's a leadership, a leadership coach, um, a coach, a podcaster. I mean, there's just so much you're doing. So first of all, Sarah, let me just welcome you to the show. Thank you, Charlie. I'm so excited to talk to you again. You're the best. Well, it's, that's really kind. Like we have a, a background, um, we share, you know, similar, um, we both have the same publisher and we've, we've been at conferences together and I've been on your podcast, but what's more important for our audience to understand is we have a similar outlook on education and, and a compassion for people in it right now. And I think that's why you and I both stepped into a different way of leadership, bringing our strengths in because we want to get better. So right now I would like, I want you to tell people about your PhD because it's a really neat area that you're working in. So can you tell people about that first? For sure. So um, I'm not there yet. I'm on that journey as, as we say in year two, starting my third year. And I, actually got the opportunity to demonstrate my own resilience last spring. I think that's one of the bigger stories that I'd like to come out of this because my university closed and gave us six weeks notice <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. that they were going to be closing. And, and during that time, obviously high pressure, a lot of stress. Um, and so I had spent two years studying leadership, learning and service. And that was a really wonderful space for me to continue to kind of dive down my areas of passion and, when we switched, we moved to global leadership and change. And I'm excited because it actually, I realized things can be pretty serendipitous for you, uh, for us, for all of us, if we're willing to embrace the changes that we don't bring about in our lives. And so I have shifted in this year to studying global leadership, which has been actually very eye-opening. And I think for me, makes me realize that I am more of a systems thinker than I originally thought, A, and B, that there is so much uh, importance in understanding the foundations of leadership, but then also considering that we do live in a global society and figuring out how to lead in our own spheres, but do that in a multiplied fashion is really interesting to me and specifically. Okay. So that's the content that the university has decided I get to become an expert in apparently. <laughs> uh, but my dissertation is actually focused specifically on serving school leaders. And I am looking to discover if there is a perception of a spiritual practice routine, helping to mitigate the stress that school leaders do experience on the job, because I'd love to see if there's a relationship there. Um, you know, we know that burnout is an absolute, I would say almost an inevitability in our profession, um, in cycles. And so the people that are able to move through those cycles, what I found in the research and experience and looking around is those that know how to mitigate the stress with positive coping strategies. And so for me, I'm honing in on spiritual practices, which is not religious beliefs, but those daily disciplined practices that we put in place to kind of help us weave through the challenges that we all face. Well, and that's such a unique approach too, because I think a lot of people who are spiritual and whatever that means to them, it is a way of getting through the tough times, no matter where you are in your life. And so bringing that into education, I think is really important. So can you give me some examples of somehow, um, some ways that you would actually bring that into daily practice when you're at a school? 
Yeah. So first of all, I love that you said when you're out of school, because so much of the work that I've looked at is how you um, kind of center yourself around the day, <laughs> like right. in the morning or at night or whatever. Yes. But there are practices that you can put into place while you're in the middle of chaos. And that's the harder. Those are the harder ones. Um, but you know, spiritual practices essentially are those things that lift your spirit or boost your spirit. And I know in reading through thriving school uh, community, they're actually really interesting grounding practices that people might not consider spiritual, right. But mm -hmm. self-compassion and self-reflection are very spiritual practices. It's tying into you as a person. So during the day, um, you know, you can implement time to sit in silence and reflect, okay, how did that really hard conversation actually go? And how, what story am I telling myself about how it went versus what might be reality? And I know, um, there's just some really important strategies that you can hook into, but at the end of the day, being a spiritually connected person means that you connect to your own self. And so, um, having practices in place ahead of when things get busy during and after, are really the ways that we stay in communication with that inner self. Um, you know, people meditation is something that obviously is a very important spiritual practice. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's one that I've never actually personally engaged in with intention. It's something that I have done, um, moving meditation through running, which I didn't even know I was doing it. So it's mm -hmm. just kind of interesting, but anyway, um, I would say that absolutely during the school day, we have the ability to do that, you know, to these mindful practices that we teach students to do, or that we've thought we should teach students to do is something that we can do, um, as leaders and spending time in those pause moments, I suppose, is a spiritual practice. It's not letting the day flow by without processing it. Right. I love that, that you're not letting the day go by because if that happens, then you lose yourself. And then you crash. And I think that it's such a valuable way to sustain our wellness throughout the day and then noticing when you need that. And that's awesome. Thank you, by the way, for mentioning that because our book does give that about the self-reflection and self-compassion piece. And we give some strategies, but then something like your book, like, you know, you've got a couple of books out, right? I mean, you've got <laughs> yeah. like a pirate. Uh, that's, yeah. a, that's a really good book. You all need to get that. Um, and then the the most recent one I think is the leading with faith. Is that correct? Yes. And, and that's, that's yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, that's kind of like this idea that we need to build strong foundations so that we can, well, essentially the subtitle is rise up, slay fear and serve well, yep. um, because we need to be able to do that. You know, uh, our, especially in our schools, there's been a lot of challenges systemically, globally at the macro level and the micro level for leaders to continue to you know, rise up to. And part of that work is just helping people understand that we have foundations that we need to strengthen. And in my work as a leadership coach, as well as um, an adjunct professor, I have learned that so few leaders actually do spend time understanding their own core desires, their own core motivations. I think we end up getting on this career path and we decide we want something, but we don't really know why we're motivated by that or, um, like deep seated pieces of ourselves, um, as our own personal signature. So that faith framework is F is free to be you, but you got to understand that. And it starts with a lot of self-awareness. It's learning it's personality inventories. It's, um, you know, questioning it's understanding what, uh, maybe some childhood wounds, right? Like I know you're, <laughs> 
<laughs> to that yes. therapeutic level. Yes. Um, but you can't lead organizations until you first lead yourself. And so, you know, that starts with self-assessment and understanding your, your own triggers and why you might be so annoyed with your colleague versus, uh, you know, something in them that might be uh, running up against who you are and your personality, but understanding that they have their own motivations. We talk about there's reasons behind every behavior, but you have to spend time understanding that before you dive in and, and lead people well with that whole concept. So anyway, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, so lead with faith. Um, it really does have a, uh, it does have a religious overtone. I would certainly want your listeners to hear that. That was part of who published my book. We decided that we were going to build in spiritual scripture. Um, but I would say that that one's it's standalone because it's a leadership framework. It's really about knowing yourself, leading with strong purpose, core values, mission, and vision. It's uh, embeds this idea of what we have in going beyond work-life balance with the first book, which is intentionality and learning to use your time wisely. Um, it's about transcending titles and leading from where you are, and as well as embracing transformation so that you can transform systems. And then it's heart, it's empathy, it's cultivating wholeheartedness, great work by Brene Brown in there. So that's really what that book is about. <laughs> no, that's great. And the, because what happens is that slides into something that we're trying to do systemically is, um, you know, we might have skills, but you have a lot to bring in to enrich that. And that's why I want people to know, like if they listen to this podcast, I want them to know that they really got to go listen to yours. I hate when we sound, sound so salesy, Sarah, but it's true. Like we do connect with each other for a reason. And I want yeah. them to know that there's so much richness you bring to leadership in a way that like I've always taught, let's sneak it into our day. Let's sneak mm -hmm. it in there. And I talk a lot about equipping educators who are leaders, but the teacher in the classroom. So your leadership piece is huge because we forget to talk about that sometimes. So I love that you're focusing on that. And by the way, the whole spirituality thing, and even though the faith-based approach um, might be have some scripture in it, listen, we can all at least absorb some of the teaching and apply it in a way that still makes sense to us. And it's still a place of peace. I mean, it's really a place of peace. And isn't that, you know, that's where we have to lead from. So let's talk a little bit more about that, because I know you said you, you have to lead yourself first. That's one of mm -hmm. the things I hear you say a lot. What do you mean by that? So I, one thing that I experienced myself observed, read, and when you think about the whole um, burnout literature, it says that you know, a foundational quote is that where there's a flame, inevitably there will be fire. And I think a lot about when we don't have intentional practices in place to sustain ourselves mentally, spiritually, emotionally, then we end up falling into patterns that are not healthy a for us. And then they absolutely aren't healthy for our systems. Um, I can't tell you how many, and I know you've experienced this, Charlie, when you're traveling and you're working with educators across the country, how many people will say, well, I don't really feel like I actually have permission to implement some of these boundaries because X, Y, or Z. And a lot of times I'll, I'll never forget. I was working with a principal crew and they said, well, this is all fine and dandy. But what do I do when I feel I can't do these things? And so then I asked the question, why don't you feel like you can? And we get down to the granular level. Is this actually you can't, or you are telling yourself society won't allow you to, et cetera, right? Love that. All of these things, because 
because at the end of the day, a lot of principals, I think they have the best interest of their staff at heart. I really, really do. And I think principals specifically get caught in the middle of systems and they end up providing lip service, like take care of yourself. It's important to take care of yourself or they run themselves ragged covering classrooms and doing all the things because they're trying to take things off their teacher's plate. When in the end of the day, they're suffering. And that in turn is kind of leaking into the system. You know, um, if we don't have actual sustainable practices in our own lives, we're not able to maintain our strong, emotional, intelligent core as leaders. And so we might say things that create undercurrents in our systems, or we might, you know, lose our levels of excellence because we are not at our best, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by leading ourselves first. I think we can't lead important systemic change if we're not first doing the things that we're advocating that others do. Wow. I mean, that's so powerful giving that permission. And, you know, when you're talking about that, Sarah, I'm thinking, what about the principals who are thinking that I can't run myself ragged. You're telling me that message, but what do I do when we do have the, sh the shortage and it's not covered? What do I do? And people like Dr. Brenda uh, Lewis, she came up with a really creative system that works so well. And now she is a superintendent of a new district this year, and she's implementing that elsewhere. So it's taking these strategies, getting creative when we're feeling that way and implementing something new to shake up the system. So what do you say to yeah. people who give that kind of pushback? Well, first of all, you already gave the answer. You know, we spent a summer probably healing and processing. I wonder how many leaders spent time making a proactive system and a framework instead of, you know, let's just last minute do what we've been doing. Let's send out a hope and a prayer and let's hope we have more substitutes in the area or hope we have, et cetera. You know, there is a concern over coverage. And my response is dig down and start making a plan and a system. Um, I would love to hear about that system that you just referenced because mm -hmm. part of me, you know, I've worked in a school the last two years and it was not a fault of the local education system. Believe me, I'm not trying to rip on that, but so frustrating when you you have the secretaries working and stressed out, trying to get people to cover the classes constantly. When I, my question was, well, what were we going to do to proactive? Is there, if we're going to lean on teachers, can we have a system that's already built ahead of time so that people know, you know, uh, in this week coverage is happening by this person, et cetera, you know, so that it's not a last minute unplanned thing. Can we be more proactive? And even if it's not perfect, at least it's a plan in place that has contingencies. So we're not constantly running back into that fire, trying to figure out last minute how to do things when we know this has been an issue for years now. Hmm. Yeah, you know? it absolutely is. Let me ask you this question. Let's say a principal who's struggling with teacher shortage, uh, sub sh shortage and gets a hundred thousand dollar grants for their school. Mm. How would you spend that money? Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm like hundred thousand. I can, I know what that looks like. Um, I don't know for me, I think you're a lot of times your answers can be local. You know, when you think about how to grow your own, I've seen really smart leaders lately looking at their ranks, looking at their subs, looking at who they can pour into, to build into paras, looking at their paras, looking at who they can pour into, to put them into the system as licensed, qualified educators, mm. spending time, creating, doing your best to create a local pipeline that is 
helpful. Um, you know, it's reaching out when we look at sub shortages, we know that there's a wide range of reasons, but also maybe a part of that is a lack of trying to find creative communication lines. Um, you know, I think locally, I think about the retired contingent who left for COVID because of health concerns. Do they still feel that are there, um, you know, communications that we can have around safety and um, community building to help bring some of these people back into the system. You know, there are just so many different ways that you could, yes, use that money to compensate, but also build camaraderie and community and trust. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I wanted to mention is that there is a teacher shortage and that is not something to poo-poo because I've worked with educators who literally, like a high school principal who did not have at least 13 teaching positions at the start of a year. And what do you do? What do you do? What did they do? What did they do? Internal coverage is a lot of it. My answer would be though, thinking globally again and thinking about the world that we live in right now, we are in, I'm just reading about this concept of globalization 4.0. And the fact is we have digital communications. They may not be perfect. People don't like to talk about online learning options as it relates to some of the reactive practices we had in place at when COVID occurred. Right. But now again, we've learned, we know how to do things better. We know how to use these platforms. So I have seen principles to solve it, creating, um, you know, opportunities to share staff across boundaries where we have some virtual learning happening and we have some supervision in the classrooms, right. For with paras, but we need licensed teachers in the classrooms. We can't have them physically. How are we going to now tap into some of that creative, connective work that we can do? Do they need to be living in our community and in our space? No, we can use some creative elements and networks. Um, So those are some of the things that we've seen. But of course, that doesn't, you know, always work in the elementary world, certainly, right? You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot there. Sure. Um, But yeah, so it's creative solutions. I also wanted to say too. One of the things that I really loved, and if you were a community that did this, good for you, good on you. And if you haven't done it yet, let's figure out how to do it. Having systems that have options for families that still want to have those virtual options and stay connected to the community so that we have, um, you know, the best parts of what we had experienced during COVID-19 for people who want options that don't want to have the face-to-face, but want to stay connected to our school communities. Mm, Um, I thought, I think that that is something that then can be leveraged when you have um, short staff in the face-to-face environment. Mm -hmm. I love that. And Sarah, I know that this is what, I mean, part of it is the solutions come from when you work with leaders who are struggling. I mean, Mm -hmm. you do have a framework for them. You do lead them through that. And so they, they do have somebody to lean on and that is you. That's why we're talking about this. So what might you do when you start working with a leader who contacts you? What would that look like? Well, first, a lot of my leadership coaching actually is through Jay Casas and Associates. Shout out to Jimmy um, for that work. And the work that we really do is tied to school leadership. And um, the biggest piece is helping leaders figure out what can they prioritize now? Because a part of that is that if you look at what's expected of a school leader on any given day, it is a lot. It's a lot to parse through. We're you know focused on leading the learning and shaping the culture. And that comes through continuous improvement, right? So it really is spending time first and self-assessment. What are the areas that I feel strong in right now that I'm leading? What are the areas that I need to shore up? And so we just talk through that. Um, We spend some time deciding what our focus areas would be. I think 
prior to recording, you and I talked about, wow, it does actually work to focus on one thing. And that can be really hard, but we figure out what we're going to let lift to the surface for this year. Um, and we want to make sure that that's high leverage stuff in my work though. This is, um, a little off brand necessarily, but the, the people that work with me, they get the, the one who's constantly curious about leadership, um, personalities. And so we end up typically taking an assessment together so that I know how they're driven. A lot of times we go through the Enneagram, um, but that one is, that one's a challenge because it gets back to childhood wounds. So we want to be careful. I'm, I'm not a therapist and I'm, I'm not a, <laughs> a counselor of any sorts. And mm-hmm. so we use that one because I am most um, excited about its depth. And I think it helps people get to a level of self-understanding um, that is better than most. Um, but anyway, so we spend time learning, you know, like, okay, why does, why do you react the way you do to that particular staff member or that particular situation or, or whatever? Um, and so that's what they can expect is, is figuring out their foundations first. We definitely want to help leaders develop their own core mission, their values so that they know when they're up against a challenging situation, how are they going to behave? How are, what behaviors are slippery slope as Brene Brown calls when those values work comes into play so that they can make sure that when they are starting to slip off of their excellence, that they can get themselves back to it helps us with some common language when we're processing the work. So yeah, one thing I wanted to say, Charlie, is that I think a lot of times leaders feel like they need to do it all and be all and not ever let their guard down. Um, And sometimes it does feel that way. And part of what I love about coaching is that I'm non-evaluative and we always say that teachers, you know, you can do better by having coaching in the classroom. Leaders need that too. And what I found the people that are most grateful for our work is that they have somebody that they can process through things with, with, you know, humility and know that they might not have every answer, but they can come up with it with some good self-reflection and, um, just a gentle landing space for all the hard things that they handle in a day. Wow. What a great investment that would be. I mean, seriously, we can hire new teachers, but if our our teachers and our leaders, especially if our leaders are not in a space to lead from a place that not only that authenticity, right. About our own values and everything, but the energy, like if that energy is zapped and that Mm -hmm. comes from a lot of different places, as you Mm -hmm. understand, um, I think tapping into those difficulties, even the childhood ones, it's okay. Like when Mm -hmm. I train them, I see on their faces that if they're going a certain direction, it's like, okay, let's pull back from that. But, but it gives opportunity for you, Sarah, to tap into those core values that they have, or they've been ignoring, which might be more important and bringing that up to the surface in a very safe space, which clearly is with you is clearly with you. So I appreciate that you serve them. So how can people, I mean, we're almost running out of time here. I can't believe it. Um, how can people, <laughs> right? How does that happen? How does that happen? We do this for three more hours. Um, but I'm sure you have things to do. How do people reach out to you if they would like to get this service from you? Because the coaching with you is so, so valuable. Oh, thank you, Charlie. So first I want to say that we at Jay Costas and Associates love doing systemic coaching where we're able to work with an entire leadership crew. And that is amazing. So I would say, um, contact me. I can get you connected with our people at Jay Costas and Associates. If you want to do it through the district level, 
for me as a personal coach, I do have um, firm foundations leadership coaching. So whether if you're not going at it from your um, titled role and you're interested in just some leadership coaching that I could provide through that faith framework, just you can reach right out to me directly. I'm on every social media platform at Sarah S a Johnson. And then that is the same email, Sarah S a Johnson at Gmail. And we can talk about what service might be the best for you, but, um, absolutely. That is probably the best work that I ever do is coming alongside people and helping them just realize their excellence and help them live it. I love that. No, that's so important. It's so important that you can help them individually. And then you have a systemic leadership program. I know Jay Casas, I know because that's our publisher connect ed, you all check out that website too, by the way, tons Mm -hmm. of great books there. And it's all about this. It's all about leveling up the school system, but the people within it leveling up the people. And so that's why your approach is so great. Is there anything else that we need to cover before we jump off here? I don't think so. I just want to thank you, Charlie. And for anybody listening, you know, if you find yourself in a kind of cycle of burnout or a cycle of stress that you're struggling with, you're in the right spot, continue to, you know, hook into what Charlie's giving you and help you to continue to thrive because you belong here. You're here for a reason and you can, um, come back out of that cycle. It is possible. I've been there many, many times. (laughs) Yeah. I think we all can attest to that. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. You all please make sure you go check out Sarah's work. Go to Sarah S um, sarahsajohnson.com. Go check out her work there, please. And uh, there's always hope in this system. There's always hope, even when it seems like a struggle. And I think some people might be feeling it the start of the school year, in the middle of the school year, at the end of the school year. But let's get very proactive, like Sarah said, because that's how we remove ourselves and prevent that chaos. So thank you all so much for being here and uh, have a great afternoon. Thanks, everybody.